I'm Andrew Coppolino, food, restaurants, chefs, and farmers. Welcome to REITS Radio, brought to you by Waterloo Region Eats. This week, Pyrus is a pear. This is episode seven. Charles Street in downtown Kitchener is the popular food and coffee destination, Cafe Pyrus. It's fresh, it's local, it's organic, it's Kitchener's ultimate alternative cafe and eatery. Joining me is, shall we call you Tyson James? Sure, that works for me, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me here. Um, rainy day outside, but uh, pretty active and bright and cheery in here. Yeah, things have really turned around. It's been, as you know, uh, a struggle with the construction. Uh, we're just ending about the third year of it now and we're finally wow, getting back three, to normal three years eh? wow. yeah, so the first year was a lot of prep then we had the actual shutdown and then last year as you know we lost uh, we pretty much had no sidewalk for a year and big gated barriers uh, this year we had a road back but we finally have access and cars driving up and down charles gate so it's nice you think it's the, the worst part is over now and it's all uh, sort of increased business from here on in or do you anticipate more disruptions i think for us we're over the hump we have a street in front of us, we have pavement, there's gonna be some little things here and there, but we've made it through, and our customers have totally supported us through that. And yeah, I've, so heard, uh, I've heard you talking about that. It really has been your customers that have uh, rallied rallied the troops kind of thing, and uh, they've said, we want this place to survive, and, and you have, that's great. Yeah, it, it's really encouraging when you see people uh, buy into what we've done, and then the results have been that we didn't shut down, we didn't lay anybody off, we took a hit, but we were able to survive, and now we're back stronger, so it's great. Well, let's talk about that strength. Um, how do you? What's the approach to food here? I mean, you could call it fresh, you can call it local, you can call it organic, uh, vegan, but that, that's sort of the, the sort of the label. What's the sort of at the heart of the whole thing? Well, the biggest thing for us was I wanted to serve food and have a business that was ethical, and for me that meant featuring ingredients that price wasn't your first consideration as a purchaser. Uh, so we look at things like, can we get it organic? Is it available local? And where are we sourcing it from? And those things have given us a great menu. Our reviews uh, for our food are consistently great. And I think it's really not that we're doing super special things. We're using high quality ingredients and people really appreciate that. Who are your customers? There's a sort of an eclectic mix, I guess, and there's a sort of a comfortable lounge. I don't want to say grandma's basement, but there's a sort <laughs> of a, there's a sort of a comfort here. Who are the people that come here? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is that you have to overcome when you come to Pyrus is that we're not McDonald's. We're not your average run-of-the-mill lunch place, uh, and that kind of shows. We are eclectic. People have to appreciate that the people that work here are not your uniform-wearing. Plastic gloved hand uh, food prep people. They're people that are really passionate about it, and that overspills into what we see here in the dining room. So, if you come in here expecting that pristine Starbucks uh, sterile type of environment, you're going to be turned off by us. But when you realize what we do, no, and so turned off might be a little bit strong, don't you think? <laughs> I, I, no, you, you know what? I think there is that mall crowd, and that's great. That's what keeps a large part of those food businesses in, in, in business. For us, the people that really get us overlook that, hey, our furniture's a little bit different, that the guy serving their food might have dreadlocks. It, they realize that we're employing people and creating a business that has their health 
our community's health and our food system's health in mind. And they get it. So that ranges from, you know, punk kids at 15 years old who are just figuring this out to, uh, you know, we had a, a customer in last week, 85-year-old grandmother who just got diagnosed with diabetes and is really starting to look at what they do in terms of how they eat. And they got us. And that's really the, the part that makes me grateful for what we've created here. So it's a business venture, and at the same time, it's a, a social venture, I guess. You've got a sort of a, a moral or ethical responsibility, do you feel? Absolutely. If I was going to open this business, I did not want to uh, take shortcuts in terms of the kind of food that we prepare. So that meant instead of getting garlic from China at 30 cents a pound, where we know the labor practices aren't great, the growing practices aren't great, and it's not sustainable for the environment to be shipping things from China, although it's cheaper, we end up buying local garlic, which tastes better, supports our community. It's about $12 a pound for organic garlic, but it's making that kind of choice that says, if we can do this profitably, if customers believe in us, we're giving an alternative for people to really be mindful about what they put in their bodies, where they purchase it, and the people that are they're purchasing it from. Uh, just give us an idea. I can't see because my glasses are not on my face, but uh, the price point is reasonable too. Um, how do you do that? Are you got expensive garlic that's quality, yes, but it's also you know, a cost for you to try to keep below 30% or whatever your food costs. How do you do it? Uh, well, we're not quite at 30% cost. I know there's the, the, the you know, one magical third, one third, <laughs> one third magical numbers. Um, where it comes out of is we're not hugely profitable. I'm we've dedicated ourselves to work on volume for people to buy into us and they have what you don't notice here is our location we're off of King Street so it helps with our rent uh, the kind of furniture and things that we have we didn't open the doors with a $500,000 investment that's really meant that we can focus on food and our employee cost as opposed to what our aesthetics look like and you know, there's new places that are opening and I walk in and I think they're amazing looking and I'm jealous of what they have. And then when I look that they don't use the organic ingredients or that they sacrifice those ingredients and they sacrifice their payroll cost to make these things have this aesthetic, that to me wasn't a sustainable business. It wasn't what I wanted to do or how I wanted to employ people. So it's been very important that we keep those uh, areas and continually work with our suppliers to help bring our costs down but our cost of purchasing is one of the last things we look at versus uh, how we can purchase and where that sourcing is coming from. Thankfully, we have enough people that support us that we're able to overcome some of those cost obstacles with volume. What about your uh, uh, labor relations, shall we say? Not to put that kind of a harsh uh, strain on it, but what um, are these people paid with living wage? How do you manage that part of the business? What's your philosophy there? Uh, I would love to be able to pay $15 an hour plus benefits. Unfortunately, within the food environment right now, we really rely on our customers to tip. I know there's a, an anti-tipping uh, philosophy kind of going on, but here the tipping is shared equally among all the employees. So whether you're back of house or front of house, you still get part of that tip because it's our customers that believe in what we do that are able to access really good quality food at a low price point if that's all they have. But if you're somebody who's downtown now making $100,000 at a tech company, you can help support what we are here. So we don't pay strictly minimum. We don't pay servers minimum wage. Uh, we do pay higher than that. We do have an incentive program. Ideally, by the end of the year, we're really trying to get into a position where we can offer employees benefits. And some of the other tricks, like split shifts, 
keeping multiple part-time employees rather than investing in somebody full-time. Those kind of things are things that we don't believe in as an ethical business. They make it a struggle, so you know nobody's getting rich here, but we're able to support our employees, and it shows. People consistently like the level of service that they get here, and in our reviews, we're seeing that. That, as a business owner, is so important, and I'm so proud of what we've done here and our employees that we have here. Let's pick up on those reviews. Uh, what what are you talking about? Uh, Yelp, uh, f- food, um, Google, Google stuff. Yelp. What, what are you finding with uh, them, and, and what do you do with them as a, as a as a business owner? How do you approach them, um, and and you use them or not? Well, so here's the funny part. I'm contacted every week to participate in paying for those review sites. And it's something I strongly don't believe in. We don't encourage our customers to give reviews here. We want the reviews that are out there are a whole haunted and honest, are wholehearted and honest, and they actually reflect customers' experiences. We've never paid for any of those links. We're not going to. What it does though, is if you're new to us, if you come in and you stay at the Crown Plaza, for example, and you're looking for a breakfast place, if you put in coffee, we're the first on the list in Google because of customers supporting us through those reviews. Uh, if you look at us for food or vegan or any of those categories that we work in, we're really highly rated. It also is a double-edged sword because it is anonymous. There are things that have been said about us that, you know, as an owner, I want to approach them. I want to make sure all my customers are happy, but I do have to realize that, hey, that's somebody behind a veil and we know how the internet can be. But thankfully, overwhelmingly, our customers really support us through those reviews. Tell us about the food. I mean, uh, are you the uh, chief uh, idea generator for the menu? Is it a team collaborative effort? Where does things like, um, I'm trying off the top of my head, uh, sandwiches I've had here often have some funny names. Where do they come from? Uh, Who imagines them? I think I do most part of the marketing. So, uh, you know, we've had like the Berliner, uh, we've had the the Steamboat, uh, the Breakfast Club, you know, that part of it, it's fun for me. But outside of some of the requirements of what we have for protein and being vegan and being ethical, my menu has really been created by the people that work here. They have passion for the food and our monthly special reflects that. That's typically a collaborative effort from everybody here. Uh, And over the years, we have things that have been named for our customers. Uh, six years ago when we opened, they were the first people that said, hey, I really like this idea. They're still on the menu. Uh, we also have things that have been created from people that are here that have done the research and played with those ingredients and come up with a great idea. And I'm so happy that we have engaged employees that really participate. It gives them a chance to be creative in this process. Yeah, I think I know I think of it. I had a Bieber and a Ben, which just... Uh come to the top of my mind when I think about what I've eaten here. Um, they're fun, <laughs> fun, no doubt. Um, is this uh, is this a business you could see being uh, expanded, uh, growing? I mean, I know you're you're sort of finding your way after the construction, et cetera, et cetera. Could there be a, a, a Cafe Pyrus 2, uh, for instance? Uh, absolutely. I w- what we're playing with right now is we really like the idea of worker co-ops, uh, as well as almost like an open sourcing restaurant. If you want to open a restaurant, here's a way to do it. Here's a way to invest in your community. Here's our business plan. Do it. I would love to see a Pyrus in every single town. Am I the guy who's going to go out there and do that? No, I got other things to do. Uh, We were thinking of a second location. The construction hit us, so that really hit our our financials. Um, But overwhelmingly, we hear that people want to see this in other places. So I would love to see it happen in other places. We're not sure how that's going to go. Right now, we're kind of creating a playbook. 
I would love to be able to give it to somebody and go, here, give us a small fee, take this, use our advice, call us for help, but create the same thing in London, in Toronto. Create a fair work environment for your employees. Create a sustainable sourcing practice so that when people walk into your business, you're not poisoning them for profit, which is, unfortunately, the fast food industry relies on things like you, I don't want to name names, but Subway, for example, if you look at the meat, it looks like real beef, it looks like real ham, but when you read the ingredients, it's not. It's soy protein, it's chemicals, as well as flavorings to try and get those prices down. That, I believe, is just an unethical, unsustainable practice. So if we could take what Pyrus has done and multiply, uh, make that happen other places and, and multiply this effect, I would be overwhelmed by that. How do we get there? Maybe an investor comes in and says, hey, it's a great idea, let's move it forward. Or maybe we come up with this open source idea so somebody who has the idea and wants to have an open ethical business, here's a plan for them to do that. Are you a water region boy? No, I'm not. I actually, I'm still confused by King Street and Cleaver. You know, they crossed three times. (laughs) Uh, Construction has made me find other areas of the town. I've been here though for longer than I've been anywhere else. I think I'm running about 17, 18 years. And in the last 10, I've been dedicated to downtown. I have other businesses that are downtown. I have some properties that are downtown. uh, And I'm really focused on this core idea. Even though LRT has totally hit my business, it's an idea that I fully support. I think we could have did it a lot better. But I am so excited to see the kind of growth that we've seen downtown and the exciting things that are happening here. And I hope that in three or four more years, we see these huge investments and these incredible little ideas that become uh, rooted and sprout and changes downtown and makes it a completely different experience than anywhere else in the region. And we're well on that path now. What's your background? Did you uh, political science or cooking or neither? Uh, Neither. (laughs) So... It's kind of a funny story. I went to university for uh, a Bachelor of Science in Psychology because my parents always wanted the doctor. I found that to be the easy way. And then I found out that it was in a field that I would never be happy in. And thankfully, I found that out through interning. Uh, so I left. I got into sales. I love people. I love helping people. And that created this sales juggernaut that, that went really far. I got into the food business for something completely different. I went vegan for health purposes about six years ago, six, seven years ago now. And You're still at, vegan? Uh, no, right now I'm vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I still have meat once in a while if a friend is uh, hunting or I have a source to something that's wild and accessible. Yeah, but on a daily practice, I don't think it's healthy for me. It's definitely not healthy for the environment in terms of our consumption now. Uh, so it's a practice that I continue to do. You know, uh, one of the biggest things is the environmental impact, and uh, you can read a lot about that on a website and see it in the store. But you want to have a big environmental impact? Don't worry about driving a yard or a, a, a hybrid. Eat vegan, and it, it can totally change the world. But six years ago, when when the idea for this came forward, there was nowhere downtown. We had one vegetarian restaurant. Uh, you really didn't find anything on menus anywhere, and there was a crying need for it. And I ate downtown. I worked downtown, I lived downtown, I wanted to have a place where I ethically could go in, get a coffee, and know that the things that are in that coffee are sourced well uh, and trust, and we didn't have that. So this idea came out, I'm not a restaurateur, and I I think it's helped us because I think outside the box uh, compared to the typical industry, and it's created this this juggernaut that we are, Uh, 
But that's where the idea sprouted from, and that's what motivated me. Now, six years later, uh, we have a huge customer base, but you go down to every restaurant, and you're going to find vegan items on the menu. It's a growing uh, movement, and it's one that resource and work out here, but I would love to see other places even do it more. And we're starting to see that transition. One of the best tempeh companies in all of Canada, Henry's Tempeh, right here in local to Kitchener. Uh, in terms of one of the largest organic uh, dairy co-ops in Canada, again, just outside of town in Hagersville. Those kind of things are already here. It was up to us to tap into them, and this gave me the opportunity to tap into them. Just before we finish up, uh, it's the usual practice in our little podcast here just to ask a, a few snappy uh, questions. You've got to answer them quick. Off the top of your head, um, best, best meal you've ever had? Uh, in southern Patagonia, uh, we had, it was, uh, it's called asado. It's where they have a lamb over a fire. Uh, and it, incredible food i'd never tasted meat that that was that way uh so you know here i am a vegan talking about this but but it was a once in a lifetime thing but the community that came around it was incredible every part of the sourcing was ethical every part of that meal was memorable and the community i still have friends that are from that that i met at that meal that was eight years ago isn't food the context though? Like that's just perfect. It's the context of where you're eating it, not really what it is. I mean, it can be good, it can be mediocre, but if it's a great context, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Absolutely, and I think that's the biggest thing. We don't spend you know, tremendous amounts of money anymore going out to uh, shows or, or clothing, things like that, but we do spend a ton on food. And I think that is not just because it's prepared for us, it's because of the collaboration of people there, you're eating the food together, and you're having that experience. And it's a low cost experience that anybody can have, and you can have something that's, that's memorable and unique. Um, drink that just about killed you? Tequila. Uh, do you ride a bike? Yes. Do you ride a bike every day? Yes. Uh, favorite pair of uh, shoes or footwear? Uh, I'm an Adidas guy, so the more colorful, the better they are. Uh, favorite teacher you had? Uh, I had a, a drafting teacher who uh, really encouraged me when I was in high school. I've always been a smart ass. I've always been a rebel. And he was the one guy who took me inside and said, look, you have these incredible qualities. Stop fighting everybody. Start moving them forward and using them. And uh, yeah, it's been 30 years. And Mr. Turk still stands out in my mind as one of the best teachers I ever had. Um, favorite city? In the world? Yep. Uh, right now, I think we would be seeing Koeki, uh Chile. And uh, TV cook food personality that you detest? Pretty much all of them. <laughs> the, uh, I think the only guy I actually like is probably Jamie Oliver because he's one of the first guys who really made, has made a connection between what you're eating, what happens in your body, and, and what that, that connection back to food which we've lost. Everything's become so processed, he's going the opposite way. So I really like him, but when I see a guy like Ramsey or you know some of those gel-haired dudes that are on the Food Network, I just laugh and go, okay, it's great marketing. They but realistically... They made themselves wealthy too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we pack up now, last question for you. What questions or question do you want your customers to ask about Cafe Pirates? Where does my food come from? How does my food help the community? And what simple choice can I make now that's going to have the biggest impact on everything around me? 
and your food choice is something you do three, four, five times a day, it's probably the single most uh, single most thing that you can have an impact on everything else around you by choosing ethical food, by choosing vegetarian, uh, by making that connection, and your health. You know, if you ask anybody what's more important, wealth or health, they're always going to say health. But we miss that connection when it comes to food for some reason. So if people were to come here or anywhere and make that same connection, it will help change the industry and it's going to help change the world. Tyson, thanks for uh, spending the time with us and um, we appreciate uh, hearing about you and uh, good luck to the, to the restaurant. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for doing this and uh, keeping people connected to this community because it's a lot of times it's easy just behind, behind a counter uh, and, and this kind of reach out really makes a big difference.